Welcome to the first ever telecommunicated episode of Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. At-home deliveries. Americans' lazy-ass home shopping addiction makes the at-home delivery industry the only institution in America structurally equipped to deal with this crisis. Socialism. The government is redistributing billions of dollars to be paid directly to vulnerable Americans to prevent a full-scale economic depression. Socialism. It's not just for socialists anymore. And the Democratic primary. Still technically moving forward despite being completely ignored, not unlike the primary campaign of Bernie Sanders. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices may very well be the last soothing thing left on Earth. Our top story this week... Fear of the medical and economic calamities caused by COVID-19, combined with the isolation and uncertainty of social distancing, has made Americans' most basic decisions feel like they suddenly bear the moral weight of the survival of the species. How much pasta is enough to responsibly prepare for a potential pasta shortage? Without being so much that it might irresponsibly contribute to the very pasta shortage I'm responsibly trying to prepare for. Needless to say, some Americans felt this moral weight more heavily than others. Hmm. Is 100 rolls of toilet paper enough to last until I come back to the store in a week? Probably not. I better buy 500 rolls now. I'll I'll get around to buying food later. Thank God that stress is over, having painstakingly arrived at 7 as the morally responsible number of pasta boxes to buy I'll just cruise on over to the toilet paper where I don't even have to think about buying one 12 pack of Charm. Holy shit, there's a run on toilet paper. I shall buy toilet paper at quantities 10 times more than the most I could possibly poop, multiplied by impossibly high poop to paper proportions. No need to panic. I just need to figure out the responsible amount of toilet paper to purchase in the middle of an irrational hoarding. With God as my witness, my ass will never go itchy again. All that's left is single ply. Screw social responsibility, it's every ass for itself. Meanwhile, some asshole in Tennessee did this. I'm real good at capitalism. I done bought me about uh, 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. I'm gonna make me a dangle fortune to sell them on Amazon. I'm a, what you might call a good capitalister. Unfortunately for that asshole, Amazon refused to let him price gouge hand sanitizer on their website. Amazon will not allow this or any other asshole to use our site to profiteer off of a national crisis. As part of Amazon's ongoing commitment to protect Americans from greedy, small-time assholes. Thus ensuring that as the biggest big-time greedy assholes, Amazon alone may profiteer off of the national crisis. Dang old Amazon! Just because Amazon don't got all the capital don't mean they got all the right to do the dang old capitalism. Actually, that's exactly what it means. Having been shut down by Amazon... Here's a list of products that other people who listen to this podcast have bought. Don't ask how we compiled the list. Stop that, Amazon. We don't like you. Here's a list of products that people who don't like Amazon have bought on Amazon. I am not going to abandon this segment to... I've got toilet paper... I'm abandoning this segment to pay too much for toilet paper to the company that saved us for paying too much for hand sanitizer, which they will also sell to me for too much. 
Anyway, for some reason, that asshole in Tennessee thought that telling his story to the New York Times, complete with a photo of himself in front of the mountain of hand sanitizer he failed to profiteer, would make him seem sympathetic. That dang old Amazon won't dang old let me sell my dang old hand sanitizer on their dang old platform. Now I'm stuck with dang near 18,000 cases of dang old hand sanitizer that I ain't got no dang old room for and account of my house is filled up with dang near 18,000 rolls of toilet paper. So you're also price gouging toilet paper? No. I figured 18,000 rolls was a reasonable amount of rolls for my own personal consumption. You honestly think you're going to come off looking sympathetic in this story, don't you? I, I reckon folks will read this here interview and uh, see a good here capitalister just uh, trying to do some dang old capitalism. You were attempting to callously make a profit off of human suffering. Good old capitalism. You realize there's going to be a massive public outcry after we publish this story. Uh, you see, that's what we capitalisters call, uh, publicity. I, I reckon on account of, uh, good publicity is, uh, as I pew. As would have been obvious to literally every other human being besides that asshole in Tennessee, the time story led to a vicious public backlash against him, which eventually led him to donate the hand sanitizer to a church. Dangle, socialism mist. And now, Barely Audible Whisper presents a sketch that mocks the absurd human need to cling to the illusion of control in the midst of an overwhelming catastrophe that triggers our innate fear of our own mortality. And yes... I wrote this sketch for the sole purpose of inventing a potentially deadly crisis over which I have complete control. Attention passengers, for reasons that are not important to this premise, this airplane is currently crashing. We're losing altitude at a rate conveniently proportional to the development of this sketch. I'm going to frantically pull at the steering wheel and obsessively press a button in a futile effort to turn things around. In the meantime, you're on your own. Our Father who art in heaven, wh why are you naked? The plane's going down. I've always imagined that if I was ever in this situation, I would have passionate sex with whoever was sitting next to me. Sorry, but I'm making my peace with God. Our Father who art in heaven, oh, will be there. Okay, well, this is awkward. Um, I guess I'll just... <sighs> Do you mind if I masturbate? I promise I can, I can be quiet. Excuse me, I couldn't help but notice that one of you impulsively got naked while the other was trying to pray. As it turns out, the man sitting next to me also got impulsively naked while I was trying to pray. Perhaps we could switch seats? Hell yeah! <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh, heck yeah! Ooh, I, uh, I was actually hoping to have sex with the guy in the window seat, but he's completely preoccupied with trying to get in touch with his family. Damn it! Why are the good ones always gay? I'm not gay, I'm bi-curious. An airplane crash seemed like a good place to explore. Tell you what, let me find out if the naked guy in 28C is gay. If not, I'll switch seats with the rosary guy. Attention airline passengers. This is your flight attendant speaking. The captain has just turned off the fasten seatbelt sign indicating... Oh. And he turned it back on again, indicating... Oh. 
and the captain has turned the fastened seatbelt sign back off, indicating that he's resorted to taking seemingly irrational and random measures to cling to the illusion that he can change his fate through some futile combination of meaningless actions. So the guy in 28C is not gay, but I did get unexpectedly aroused when he punched me in the face, so I'm ready. Hell yeah! I'm sorry. Heck yes! Just grab my rosary and... Oh, oh, excuse me. I'll just, I'll just let you slide by. Ow! Your rosary got got caught caught on my my rosary. This is not working for me. If y'all could just, like, make a little room. I'm just going to go see what's on in 28C. Attention, airline passengers. As there seems to be a fairly even but poorly distributed split between passengers seeking to create the illusion of control through prayer and those seeking to regain the illusion of control from what they recognize as a situation they cannot control by deliberately engaging in reckless behavior. So the naked guy in 28C has flipped psychological switches and is now clinging to blindly trusting an authority figure. He lost all interest in sex the moment the flight attendant started talking. So I hope your penis is healed from your rosary injury because there's no time to fluff. And as I have decided to create my own illusion of control by imposing a sense of organization onto the chaos that surrounds me, I would ask that all the religious passengers please congregate in the back of the plane so that the hedonistic passengers can make use of the booze cart, which is located in the front of the plane. To the front of the plane! Now that all the heathens have left, we can finally pray in peace. Allahu Akbar. You're praying praying to the the wrong God. God. No, you're you're praying praying to the wrong God. God. How How dare you? Attention, religious passengers. Please avoid engaging in a holy war, as it is disruptive to that one guy we referenced earlier who thinks it matters whether or not he says the word goodbye to his wife. So, do you want to have sex? Mm, Yeah. We might as well. COVID-19 seems to be on track to have a greater impact than the 2009 swine flu, making it the worst global pandemic since the 1918 influenza outbreak. What lessons can we take from that pandemic that will help us today? Here to help us learn from history is our own Harvard history professor, so pretentious he insists on being called Dr. Professor. the lessons to be learned from the 1918 outbreak are no longer relevant because, since that outbreak, scientists have discovered the existence of viruses and determined that there is more to medicine than bloodletting, whiskey, and enemas. Nevertheless, many threats to the public health that contributed to the lethality of the 1918 influenza still remain today. These are the lessons we can learn. Lesson one, do not publicly downplay the risks as President Woodrow Wilson did. This is just a flu by another name. Do not be alarmed. Go about your daily lives and support the war effort. Comparisons to more benign diseases do the populace no good at all. So long as the current president keeps in mind that a contagious disease is much more serious when we don't have known ways to treat it, 
and doesn't compare it to another disease that responds well to established antiviral medicine, we should be... President Trump has compared the coronavirus pandemic to the common flu, saying, I didn't even know you could die from the flu. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. Despite the fact that his own grandfather died from the flu. So much for lesson number one. Lesson two, do not play into racism and nationalism by associating the disease with a foreign country. While other countries were denying the existence of a new disease, Spain actually reported it. People of Espana, a new disease similar to the flu, but far more deadly, has spread across the world, and the war in our neighboring countries has hastened its spread. If you find yourself or your familia having flu symptoms, please isolate yourself and contact your local doctor or barber for bloodletting, whiskey, and enemas. Because only Spain was reporting the disease, it became known as the Spanish flu. Presumably, millions of Americans thought they'd be fine as long as they didn't come across the Spaniard. They were not fine. But so long as the current administration and our news media don't take to calling this outbreak by a name that stokes racism, we should... President Trump referred to COVID-19 as the Chinese virus in an interview today. So much for lesson number two. Lesson number three, don't let other causes get in the way of fighting the virus. President Wilson was so committed to the Great War maintaining popular support that he established the Sedition Act. I hereby declare that it is an act of sedition to publish anything that might harm the war effort. Mr. President, William Randolph Hearst, New York Journal, would you consider reporting on a deadly disease that soldiers are bringing back from Europe to be a news item that might harm the war effort? Most definitely. So, as long as our president doesn't obsess over something vital to his approval ratings, which might be harmed by the spread of a global pandemic, we should... The Dow Jones has plummeted in response to the spread of COVID-19. But President Trump urges the public not to panic. <sighs> so much for lesson three. Lesson four, don't take seasonal fluctuations of the disease as evidence that the disease has been conquered. Late in 1918, things seemed to be improving, but in January 1919, another wave hit. Howdy, partner. Say, has any of your kin got this Spaniard flu? I'll say, I thought this here thing was on the outs. I sure read it in the paper that it was on the outs. One fixing complaint they ain't reporting proper on this thing. Mm-hmm. Reporting proper they were not, and many more people died. But as long as our president doesn't go around spreading false optimism, we should... President Trump says that the disease will soon reduce to almost zero, and that when it gets warmer, the disease will magically disappear. So much for lesson number four. Lesson number five, the president himself should avoid exposure. President Woodrow Wilson collapsed at the Versailles Peace Conference, leading some to speculate that he has contracted the Spanish flu. 
As long as our president doesn't display Wilson's level of hubris, we should... President Trump shook hands with Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, who some reports say has tested positive for coronavirus. So much for lesson number five. So much for our hopes of getting through this thing with minimal impact. And so much for the entire concept of learning from history. have a parade. In this time of national crisis, it is important that as Americans, we all try and put our political differences aside as we pull through this together as one people united by a common purpose. Having said that, we find it hilarious that conservatives are in real time finally realizing what we've been trying to explain to them for decades. And so, in direct contradiction to everything I just said, Barely Audible Whisper presents conservatives in real time, finally realizing what we've been trying to explain to them for decades. You know, it just occurred to me that concentrating all of the money in the hands of a wealthy few might temporarily not be a good idea in this upcoming financial crisis. How so? Well, it occurs to me that as more and more poor and middle-class wage earners temporarily lose their jobs, the money that they will no longer be making will no longer be spent in the economy, which seems like it might be bad for the economy as a whole. You mean poor people being poor might make me poor? I don't think I care for that. I just had a completely original and never before thought of idea. What if we set up some sort of system that guaranteed minimum economic standards for everybody? You mean like, if poor people weren't poor, that would mean I couldn't become poor as a result of their poorness, thus making the overall economy less poor? If only there were some sort of large-scale governing body with the authority and resources to democratically redistribute a large enough proportion of the overall wealth in such a way that everybody had enough income to contribute to the economy, which would allow hardworking and industrious people to prosper in a way that our current system promises but doesn't usually deliver. If only there was some sort of governing body that could govern in such a way. Wait a minute. A large-scale governing body that governs things. That sounds familiar. You mean a church? Like a church, but mandatory. Oh, a mandatory church. I like the sound of that. Government. I hate government. Taxation is theft. Obviously, but what if government, through some sort of graduated tax system, could make it so that poor people are not so poor that their poorness makes us poor. I don't know. I've been waiting for rich people to do that voluntarily since like 1981. I pray for the poor every night. But what if this government thing could actually do something tangible by creating policies based on evidence? I hate evidence. Although I must confess, it occurred to me last night whilst I was praying that the homosexuals would repent so that God would take away this plague he's punishing us with, that if there was a method for testing a hypothesis by testing that hypothesis against some sort of control group and then attempting to replicate those results, why that just might be a thing worth considering. No way. The idea of using verifiable data to form the basis of a rational decision-making process occurred to you last night, too? Why, 
my mom, Dana? Oh, it's a miracle. Although, if my miracle hypothesis doesn't hold up to the objective scrutiny of rigorous experimentation, it might just be a coincidence. Wait a minute. I feel like there's a term for this whole hypothesis testing rational conclusions thing. Jesus. No, it's not Jesus. But Jesus is the answer to everything. Science. Science is actually the answer in this particular situation. Absolutely not. Wow. An evidence-based democratic governmental system where rational data-driven policies can prevent poor people from making other people poor simply by the tax burden of the wealthy. I can't believe nobody ever thought of this before. Speaking of good ideas that nobody's ever thought of before, what if healthcare was free? President Trump's handling of the coronavirus outbreak and subsequent economic calamity has been horrible by almost every measure and has been universally criticized by almost every observer. Every observer except Vice President and closeted gay Q-tip Mike Pence. I thank God every day for the privilege of metaphorically performing unspeakable acts of ball licking that I've always wanted to do to another man in real life, but as the Bible says, it's not gay in a metaphorical way. To be fair, President Trump's first action, in a media ban on all travel from China, was an effective measure to buy Americans time to prepare to take action. Unfortunately, President Trump's first action was also his only action. To the people who would politicize this tragedy by criticizing our great penis president and golden calf, I would remind you that travel from China was immediately banned by our penis president and savior, Jesus Trump, through whom all things are made possible. It is an absolute falsehood to suggest that the center of the universe, the reason the sun does not come crashing out of the sky, and the penis president of the United States did nothing. Technically, he did do that one thing. To I'm not gay. <clears throat> To put into perspective just how bad President Trump's response to COVID-19 has truly been, barely audible whisper, created a scenario in which President Obama deals with the coronavirus exactly the same way that President Trump has. As always, our Obama impersonator is a white guy because we lack in diversity. Uh, let me be clear. I don't like Chinese people. So this uh, outbreak in China uh, sounds like a good excuse to ban Chinese people from coming into our country. Of the idea, as your vice president, I'm going to take credit for it later if it works. Good work, Joe. Uh, let me be clear. Vice President Biden's constitutionally prescribed role as vice president is uh, to lavish the president with so much worshipful praise that... It comes off as creepy. Mr. President, while hating Chinese people is a weird basis for your decision, I must admit it's an excellent first step. Problem solved. Uh, to be clear, that is the one and only thing we're going to do about this problem, no matter what else happens. Barack and I are such good friends. I'm the only one who gets to call him Barack. I love you, Barack. I mean that. No, Mr. President, all your travel ban accomplishes is buying time. It is absolutely imperative that we use that time to strengthen our medical capacities, 
ramp up testing, develop and distribute preventative guidelines to citizens, establish quarantine protocols. Uh, that sounds that sounds like a lot of things. And uh, as you know, I uh, don't like doing things. Mr. President, imposing a travel ban is not enough. I know that. Uh, to be clear, I am not a baby. The most important thing uh, with respect to my travel ban is constant and hyperbolic bragging about the travel ban. With all due respect, Mr. President, what about our capacity for testing? We'll brag about that, too. But our testing capacity is abysmal, Mr. President. We can't brag about it. Yes, we can. My main man, Barack, kicking it malarkey style. Uh, let me be clear. I don't like to uh, do stuff, but I do like to brag about the great job I did doing the things I haven't actually done. Mr. President, thousands of people will die. Uh, to be clear, I don't care. Barack has the most compassionate heart of anyone I've ever known. I really mean that. The, uh, the only thing that matters to me is the stock market. The obscene, unearned wealth yielded by an artificially high stock market is the greatest joy I've ever known. It's like a porn star that doesn't violate her non-disclosure agreement. Bad news, Mr. President. The stock market is crashing. To be clear, the worst thing that people can do during a stock market crash is to uh, panic and uh, make a bunch of terrible and impulsive decisions uh, just make everything worse. Therefore, as president, I will take it upon myself to make those terrible and impulsive decisions on behalf of the American people. If I were a man, I would totally make out with you, Barack. Uh, let's just take a bunch of money and dump it into the market. But Mr. President, the reason the market is crashing is because the virus is forcing people who live paycheck to paycheck to stay home from work without medical leave. Hundreds of thousands of businesses are being forced to close their doors and lay off workforce due to social distancing. The only way to prevent the inevitable recession from becoming a depression is to distribute money directly into the hands of working people who need it most. I uh, know that. To be clear, I am not a baby. Uh, everybody who has to stay home should get paid sick leave and laid off people uh, should continue to get paid. Great, I'll get to work on that right away. No need, it's uh, already done. No, it isn't. I already said I was going to do it. Uh, the time and effort it takes to actually do it would take away from the time and energy I want to spend bragging uh, about having done it. Therefore, by skipping the tedious process of actually doing it, we exponentially increase our ability to brag about having done it. Speaking of exponential, the virus is spreading at an exponential rate. It'll just uh, go away all by itself. Uh, to be clear, it will be like a miracle. bad news is that according to respected epidemiologist and CDC infectious disease researcher Dr. Mark Lipsitch, America's inadequate testing and hospital preparedness 
leaves long-term social distancing as our only hope to avoid overwhelming our intensive care system. The good news is that Dr. Lipsitch sounds like Dr. Lipschitz, and that's funny. Hello, I'm respected infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mark Lipsitch, here to explain why we need long-term social distancing by portraying COVID-19 as if it were Lipschitz. Dr. Lipschitz, I'm presently purporting symptoms associated with Lipschitz. The predominant pooting of the patient's speech pattern purports to the symptoms associated with the deadly Lipschitz virus. However, it is impossible without testing to positively identify Lipschitz as pooty patterns of speech are also symptomatic of the far less frightening common fart face. Understand why I'm even here. I don't have any pooty speech patterns. I don't have lip shits. The patient reports no lip shit symptoms, but as lip shits is often asymptomatic, it is as foolish to assume a lack of pooty patterns of speech are proof that this patient does not have lip shits, as it is to assume that profound pooty speech patterns. Forgo a diagnosis of the common heart face. Please, Dr. Fumichitz, the party face feeling in my face is progressively amplifying Foregoing the aforementioned hypothesis that this patient's booty speech pattern might be a Lipschitz false positive and that the real problem may simply be the common heart case, we can pass forward a two-week period, and we see that this patient's Lipschitz symptoms have become critical. Dr. Lipschitz, over the past few days, my speech pattern has developed a mild pootiness. It's probably just the common fart face, right? For the purposes of this presentation, Let's assume that these symptoms are far from mere fart face, and this patient is in fact feeling the first effects of full-blown shitlets. Full-blown shitlets. Fuck. This focuses on what I fear is possibly our most fantastic problem. The fact that you have a pooty pattern of speech even though you're just a researcher? Of course not! That problem with the premise is unimportant because it's funnier if I talk in farts and I'm the one with a funny name. The problem I am forecasting is a three-week lag time between contracting lip shits, which often presents no symptoms, and suffering lip shits symptoms so severe the patient requires an intensive care facility. Help! She's fading fast! I'm not a physician. I study the full picture. 
I couldn't face myself if I couldn't produce some effort. I'm gonna give her mouth to mouth. First off, never give mouth to mouth to a lip shits patient or even someone presenting symptoms of the common fart face without proper face protection. Forget proper face protection? If I fail to breathe life into her, it will be a fatal failure. More to the point, lip shits is highly contagious and can be passed by carriers who show no symptoms. Furthermore, as lip shits symptoms are also symptoms of the common part face, symptoms alone are not enough for diagnosis. Therefore, without massive testing, it is impossible to isolate carriers and prevent spread. Given that the disease spreads exponentially, which means that the rate of infection doubles, then quadruples, then is eight times as many, etc., with each new generation of infection, and that there is as much as a three-week lag time between initial infection, which is often completely asymptomatic at first, and the need of a patient to receive intensive care. It is impossible to contain the spread of lip shits to any degree that will not completely overwhelm the intensive care system without extended social distancing. I failed. I failed to forcibly breathe life. And now it's fatal. Another fatality of human folly. I'm a little lightheaded. <laughs> On a wet one. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Barely Baudible Whisper's very first telerecorded social distancing, no human contact between our actors episode. Uh, please bear with some of the minor technical difficulties. Hopefully we'll work out the bugs as we go along. Or perhaps by that miracle Trump was talking about, it'll just go away. We can get back to human contact. Anyway, Barely Audible Whisper is made possible by the following people. Writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin. Co-host and actress Molly Brown. Writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown. Actors Corey Burns, Ali Glonick, and Michael Moore. We appreciate your support now more than ever. Please tell all of your friends, follow all of our social medias, and subscribe wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you and good luck. Forgoing the aforementioned hypothesis that this patient's booty Nope. Ah, that was going so great, too. Foregoing the aforementioned hypothesis that this patient's booty speed. Damn it, I did it again. 
before going the aforementioned hypothesis that this patient's utis each pattern might be a shit lips. That should be lip shits. Humorous.